got pushed out the door and we all got pushed as well. He liked to push people. And then he threw him over the balcony and threw him over. He ended up in a coma. He ended up in a coma. What would happen one fateful night in September 2004 at a charity psychic night at a pub in the northeast of England to lead the owners to knock down a perfectly good brick wall based purely on the recommendation of one of the psychics in attendance that night as they looked for evidence of a little girl's remains. A little girl they knew nothing of when they opened the pub doors that evening. The psychic's life became threatened by the spectral murderer of this little girl, screaming, shouting and attacking her from beyond the grave. Tonight, join me as we head to the Wheatchief pub in Bolden, Tyne and Weir, and indulge ourselves in some of the spirits on offer at the pub voted the most haunted in the UK in 2004. Episode 7 of How Haunted, a weekly paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the most haunted places on planet Earth. I'm Rob Kirkup, author, paranormal historian, and ghost hunter from the northeast of England. Allow me to be your guide as we dare to investigate in depth the often dark and troubled history of each location, and of course, the chilling tales of the ghosts that reside within. This week we head to Bolden in Tyne and Weir for the first part of a two-part special and we ask the question, just how haunted is the Wheatchief pub? Listener discretion is advised, as each episode of How Haunted will feature gruesome tales, horrific happenings, bloody murder, and ghosts. So many ghosts. Listen on if you dare. The Wheatchief Public House in West Bolden is a fairly unremarkable pub in a fairly unremarkable village. The building itself only dates back to the 18th century. However, Staff and customers to the pub have long suspected that the building is home to a number of spirits, not just those hanging up behind the bar. There have been a lot of ghostly happenings reported, such as chairs being moved around, 
utensils in the kitchen being thrown across the room, people being pushed and touched. Screaming is often heard during the night. One shagan female customer was in the toilets when she looked in a mirror and saw the reflection of a young girl stood behind her. She turned around to check the girl was okay because she looked to be in some distress, but upon turning around there was nobody there. She looked back in the mirror, the girl was gone. The heavy industrial fridge doors are often found open, even though the kitchen door itself is locked and no one has accessed the room. Several years ago a handprint of a small child was found in a jelly, even though the kitchen had been locked and there were no children in the building. One evening after locking up some of the staff decided to do a Ouija board. They all had reason to believe the Ouija chief was haunted and were curious to find out more. It was treated as a light-hearted bit of fun to begin with, but they didn't have to wait long for the glass to move. It moved forcefully and to their abject horror it spelt, get out or I will kill you. And as they all went to remove their fingers from the glass in utter fear, the glass moved again, gently, more slowly, spelling out help me. Answers for these strange occurrences came in 2004 at a charity psychic evening and the events that were to follow were so terrifying they would not be out of place in a Hollywood horror movie. Professional medium Suzanne Gill had not been told of the paranormal occurrences or the Ouija board, but immediately picked up on an evil, angry presence, and her mind was filled with visions of truly horrific crimes against young children. Suzanne was quoted in the media following the Ouija horror that there are 37 spirits within the premises, and one in particular was crying out for help. The amazing events at the Wheat Chief led to the Discovery Channel running an episode of its A Haunting series all about what happened here at this fairly unassuming pub in the northeast of England. It was watched by over 20 million viewers. The Wheat Chief was also voted the most haunted pub in the UK in the same year. I was lucky enough to spend a few hours in Suzanne's company for the first interview of this nature that she's ever conducted and she was only too happy to talk to me all about the unexpected events at the Wheat Chief. It soon became clear that the story that I've read and indeed told myself so many times in the 18 years since is not only inaccurate, but it doesn't even scratch the surface of the true horror that unfolded here. Let's hear from the professional medium at the centre of this chilling tale. In the first part of this fascinating interview, Suzanne Gill tells us what happened that fateful night when she entered the Wheat Chief in West Bolden. So I'm really excited to be able to talk to Suzanne Gill at length, and you'll have already heard on the podcast so far all about what happened at the Wheat Chief that night, but I'm really pleased to be able to talk to somebody who was there right at the centre of it all firsthand. So thanks, Suzanne. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk You're to us. welcome. You are. You're so welcome. It's so lovely to connect and also talk about my experiences. Nobody's ever put me in this interview mode before, so it's, so it's interesting. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I get, so, I get so surprised. By, I got interviewed by the media and stuff like that. And like I say, um, as the years have gone by, you know, I've wrote my books and things like yeah. that. And I just I just put it aside. And when you got in touch with me, I was like, yeah, I'd be delighted. That'd be great. Yeah. It'd be it'd be lovely to see, you know, to put it across my version. Exactly, yes. And and, and I think that that's why I was so keen. I mean, I reached out to you purely because I thought I've read the story of what happened so many times and i mean I, I wrote a book that came out in 2009 or something called ghostly time and we where i mentioned the wee chief oh, and right. talked about what happened but 
I mean, that was my version of what happened based on everything else I'd read, I'd seen in the newspapers, I'd seen on that documentary that was on the, the Discovery Channel in America. Yeah. And I'm really pleased to be able to have this opportunity to, as as you say, find out firsthand what happened. Um, before we before we start, uh, how would you describe yourself? I saw on your website, Suzanne-Gill-Spiritualist.org, that it says yes. that you're a spiritualist mentor. Yes, I am. Yes. Oh, and that is that's... a multitude of things. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. I just I know when um talking to people who who are in the same kind of world that you are in in that yeah. you're able to tap into things that I, I simply can't. I've heard people describe themselves in a number of ways. So I just wanted to make sure that I had that I had that right. Yeah, that's fine. Introduce, I mean, I normally get called medium or spiritualist and because it runs with the title, you know, it's it's what I tap in through on a day-to-day basis and help a lot of people along the way. Brilliant. And, and, and um, yeah, fantastic. It's a lot of to people, you know. Yeah, exactly. Talking about the Wheat Chief, um, mm. way back in 2004, so 18 years ago now, and correct us if any of this is wrong, because this is the story that I've, as I say, I've read so many times but at the wheat chief yeah. pub which i've been to in in bolden it said yeah. that there was a charity psychic night yes, and that particular was. night thrust you into the headlines you mentioned that you talk to the media and as i mentioned earlier on there's there's this you can watch it on, on online on bits and pieces of it on youtube but there's the discovery channel documentary called a wheat chief horror that 20 million people in America watched. Mm-hmm. And if you can accept their take on the Northeastern accent, it's a very, very interesting watch. But I mean, I, I'd love to hear from you firsthand what happened that night. Okay. I'm going to step you back before I even come across the Wee Chief. Brilliant. Firstly, I was starting with my business, so I was doing psychic fairs in the May. And um, I had my, my little boy, he was, he was a baby, and my daughter, Francesca, seven years old, and, and Rob, who was helping me, you know, we were, we were a lovely little family anyway. Everything was fine. And um, I got invited to do this to basically give back to the community. So got this phone call, like I say, you know, Suzanne, you're going to be at this pub on the 15th of September. Just it down in my diary. It's like every normal pub to me, right? Because my diary was full of venues, Eagles, Cliff, Darlington, whatever you want to go. I was yeah. basing around the Northeast. I was going from, I'd say I was reaching from three to four pubs a night, a week, sorry. So on that, on that beach, it, it wasn't, it wasn't just a, you know, it was very familiar to me to understand that's, that's the way it worked back then. So anyway, that night um, I got my dates mixed up and I had to be at my daughter's um, big promotion type of thing at the school okay. so I rang the, the advert I rang Mike and turned around and said to him you know, you know we can't be able to make it can I come in a little bit later there was a reason for that okay the day before went to another event this feather I know that a lot of people believe in feathers and, and not this feather was unusual I was in um, do you know the time tunnel yeah yeah, yeah. I, I live right next to the time tunnel Right, rush hour, so I'm in the time tunnel, and all of a sudden, this feather comes scaling past me, rushed past my face, went down, glistened, and then disappeared. Oh, okay. From nowhere. So that is the day before. All the build-up to what was going on. As I walked into the Wheat Chief um, that night, it was about 7 o'clock, it was 
chocker. Absolutely unbelievable how many people were through that door. But the only thing I could say to you, the, the emotion that as soon as I stepped in, I was very, very familiar to the ground straight away. It felt dark to me. It was like this oppressive cloud. And the and I remember the high winds. And I remember it was like in September, even though it was halfway through September, we still got some daylight this night. It wasn't. So I'll never forget it, walking across the corridor. And all of a sudden I looked up and there was a little girl's ghost at the top of the window. For a matter of a second, she was gone. I was heartfelt for what was going on. I felt that I remembered everything that was coming in. But how could I? I just stepped on these grounds. I didn't understand what was going on. So I walked into the pub. I can say it was absolutely full of people. Couldn't even get a seat. Seen this young girl at the bar. She had a clipboard in her hand, so I knew that I had to be directed to her. Couldn't even see the organisers of the mediums or anyone else. There was nine other mediums working that night. Couldn't even, all of those people everywhere. Yeah. So she directed me and she sat me in the corner and she said that you're going to have these free readings. So anyway, I continued doing the readings. Halfway through the night, I, I was just felt boxed in. I felt really uncomfortable to the point that I needed to get away. So anyway, went up to the organizer and asked her where the toilets were. She said, if you go straight to behind, look behind you, go straight up the stairs, up the next flight of stairs, and it's the first door to your left. Right, okay. You can imagine this, Rob. Mm-hmm. You've got a room full of people, right? Got you. Walking to the end of the bar, going up them stairs, and the noise is dropping with every step I take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can then imagine all of a sudden, that. I'm coming up the top of the stairs, first flight, and then in the corner of my eye was this blue light. I spun around, and this light was just bellowing and bellowing and bellowing. The noises, the cracks, the screams were pounding through my ears. I never forget it. And all of a sudden, this big, massive, huge light appeared, and this little girl stood in front of me. She was like this. You got to help me. Please help me. I never forget it. And as she did the thing she did, mm-hmm. and she looked me straight in the eye. She spun around and then she ran through the wall which was directed to her. She was at the top of the balcony, at the top of the landing. I just stood there motionless. I couldn't understand what was going on, but I knew that I had to find out more. Yeah. So I went racing up the stairs. I um, went through one door and then it slipped me down a little corridor and went into another. And then I am faced amongst the girls' toilets, but nothing, silence again. You've got 300 people downstairs. How can you have silence? You're going to hear some background noise. You're going to hear something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I didn't. No. It's about as quiet as in, the, in this room right now. So in front of me, all I could see was this horizontal mirror. And it was like gold plated and it run right across the right across the wall. And then in front of me is like the sinks and everything else. So I put me back down and giving myself a minute. And while I was looking through the mirror, all of a sudden, daylight was coming through. This couldn't have happened. The curtains were closed. It was coming through behind me in the mirror. Lights and blue lights and flashes of lights were appearing right in front of me. And all of a sudden, I was just looking directly like I'm looking at you, but everything was changing behind me. And when I spun around, the, the 
like wallpaper was coming in. There was a little bed, there was a cabinet, there was all of this little like child's rug. There was little dollies, there was everything you could think of, just a bed, cabinets, and then all of a sudden, where was I? Where was I? I don't know. I've no. never experienced anything like this in my life. Wow, that I would ever encounter what I went through. That just a precise seconds yeah. of walking in there. Yeah, yeah. To meeting her, to knowing who she is, but I neither knowing in my soul that I've been there before. So all of a sudden this big massive almighty bang appeared and I'm talking, it was it was huge. And mm. there was loads of screams of women. That's what I was haunted with for a long time. Screams of women. And then all of a sudden this blue light appeared again and it came running this time. I could hear little footsteps and I could see her. She could, she was, she never showed me a face. That's one thing she didn't do. She showed me the back of her curly hair. She had like the auburn called curly hair. Yeah. She never showed me anything. She never appeared and turned around until this second. She come running in. She's grabbing stuff and she was in a heat of panic. She was grabbing stuff and she pulled this tin out and I could see a man and a penny farthing. And he was like, it was like, it was like the only way I could describe it was like a quality street tin, you know, like the old fashioned quality. Yeah, street. yeah, yeah. She's pulling her across and she's rummaging through something and then I instantly, instantly connected with her. And that says it's a necklace. And as soon as I did that, she looked at me and there she was blindfolded. Now I've got two pictures that I could send over to your email. Brilliant. And um, the pictures that are being taken on the the experiences of the Wee Chief, that was the first, like I say, encounter of a connection, I'd say. Yeah. And um, you look and you zoom into the pictures and you can see her there holding my pen, blindfolded. Wrote the Discovery Channel over. She came through the wall, okay. And from there, I was alone with her for that instant. She looked at me and she said, please help me. As soon as she said that, the vision went back and I was back in the toilets and I just couldn't understand what where I'd just been. I didn't even check the time. I wish I would have because I felt like I'd just stepped back in time. I stepped one foot in and yeah. one foot out. Yeah. It was like that for a long time mm. after that. So went downstairs and when I was going back downstairs, I remember the noise was coming back to me and it, it was, it, was, it left it, it, it. I could walk down them stairs a different person, head full of so much that I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend. No. So anyway, the night ended and um, I, I met the organizer. Her name's Cam, lovely mm -hmm. girl, bubbly. Yeah. And she introduced me to um, Chris, she introduced me to Neil. She introduced me to Dave and also Tony. Now, Tony was the DJ at the time. Dave's the owner. Chris is one of the ball staff and Cam's like the manager. Yeah. So they're all there. You know, every one of them are all there. And we, we met from day one. And then um, Tony said to me, I didn't recognize you coming in because said, because I thought, did you know that this place is haunted? He clicked onto it straight away. I never said anything. Yeah, I didn't say anything because I didn't want that to sour things in a way. What I experienced of my own experience, yeah, and what I went through at that moment with her, why she, 
it shouldn't be being brought out. So it wasn't the right time. So we got on chatting and stuff like that. And um, they turned around and said to me, they went, a Tony especially, he says, well, would you like to come and have a look upstairs and find out what's going on? I was like, right, okay, no problems. So he grabbed the keys. This is like, you know, everybody's gone. The, the police has died down and, you know, it's the topics. The, the conversation was was ghosts, would you believe? Yeah. And um, he, he took me upstairs on his own and he, he was just about to open the door. Now, I'll describe the beach if you wanted to be in there. So for, mm-hmm. for us who haven't been there before, it used to go up the stairs and then there was the girls' toilets, the men's toilets, then there was a door. Okay. Now, firstly, there was another door in front. So he started going to the door on the right. I says, don't bother going in there. It's a bathroom. He went, how do you know? I says, I just know. He went and he went into the ladies' toilets and I, I started getting that vision back again. But this time it wasn't as, as, as prompt, you know, it was yeah. very, very, it was just like a memory, just like walking back into a memory. And I started to liaison with him and giving all this information. But when I was talking to him, I could not see Tony. I couldn't see him. He wasn't okay. in the room. It was just me talking out loud to a space in the place where I was again, similar, going back through time again. So I described to him about the windows and described to him that everything was good around there. He turned around, documented it, and then he took me into the men's toilets and I turned around, this is a man called Paddy in here. He went, that name's been mentioned. I says, well, let me talk. So I told him that this this gent was um, was like connected to the bar. He okay. was looking for Alice. He was looking for this woman, Alice. And um, I mentioned to him that, you know, there was a sudden death and it was a very, very big tragedy of what happened to him. So we took that as well. So that was just us going into the men's and the ladies' toilets before we even opened the door that led us to the corridor. As he opened the door, he was it was pitch black. There was only a dill light coming from the back room that was leading from the lamppost that was leading outside. And um, I never forget, he went on, he went a little bit further in. I held the door and that this breeze just come in from nowhere and it went right to my right to my heart. There was something bad happened here. So as he turned on the light and walked towards me, because you like you had to go step in a bit further into the room. Okay. He walked back towards me to get effort to open the door and keep a, get the keys. All of a sudden, the far end of the corridor, there was like two steps. So you go right to the kitchen, which I know it was the kitchen, and the other ones into the room. And all of a sudden, this spirit come from nowhere, looked around the corner and started sprinting towards me. I said to Tony, I was like this, Tony, there's a man here who wants to let me know his name's Edward and he died in the well. And he's got connections to to the little girl. And one thing he said, we've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. And that's what I've got through all the time. Now this Ed was was communicating with me. He was, he wasn't, it was like the first initial contact with him. He was frightening because he was running towards me. But I think he was that eager at that time to, Mm -hmm. to, to connect to me. Okay. So I, in my head, I was like, what's going on? I've been, you know, walked into this whole place and all of this is going on in different parts of different sectors of the pub. But it didn't fit in until the last, until the end. Well, anyway, 
he told me about what was going on and then he's looking after the children and then he's not afraid of them. That's why he kept on saying, I'm not afraid of them. I'm not afraid of them at all. And I said, afraid to who? Afraid to who? And he says, I don't want to tell you. Just keep on going, keep on going. So anyway, he pushed me into the kitchen and I then controlled what Tony was supposed to show me. I ended up showing him. I said, Tony, this is, this is it. Um, it's full of money. It, I can hear chinging the money all the way through it. I could hear like rattling and things like that. Like it's stacks and stacks of money. Then I seen this big massive desk with this leather, leather bounder all the way around. But the, the place was, it was like purple and red. It, that's all I could describe in this room. And then it seen the spiral stairs that led from the back of the kitchen all the way down. And I told Tony this. And he went, how do you know all this? I says, well, you tell me where the bay window is then. And he went, it's behind the false wall. So when he pulled me from what he was seeing, he was standing in the kitchen. From what I was seeing, I was standing in somebody's study. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I said to him, I says, the bay window. He went, what, that one over there? And as he pulled it across, you could see the bay window at the okay. behind, behind the back of the kitchen. So I was confirming a lot more than he ever imagined. And he, he didn't tell me this until this, this moment. He says, we've had lots of mediums come in here, but nobody's given out all of this mm -hmm. name. And I didn't really ask at the time, but I did in the end. I'll tell you more. So he, Edward pulled me then. He was very eager to get me into the room. And then I felt in the next room. Mm -hmm. As soon as I walked in, it was like it, um, it was like somebody had just kitted out all the settees were all over the place, vinyls, there was everything all over the place, boxes here, there and everywhere. Tony had to jump over two settees to get to the light switch, but he never got there. Because as soon as I walked into the room, I aimed straight to the wall. And I said, she's in the wall. And he went, who's in the wall? I said, I'm picking up on this little girl and she's in the wall. And then all of a sudden I could see a pair of hands grabbing up and a pair of hands pushing, pushing all the way to the top. This wasn't a wall. It was like, it was like an old kitchen at the time. Okay. When, when, when Joseph was there, it was all this, this, that yes. I was walking into. So I was showing him and, and connecting to him and saying to Tony, this is what's happening at this moment in time. So anyway, as I was connecting and feeling the wall and going up, rubbing up my hands and down and this, that and the other and going to where I felt the pinpoint of where exactly she was. Yes. I felt cold. I spun around and out of the darkness come these eyes at first. Then there was a growl. Then there was chinging the money. Then the hairs and then the, my, the back of my neck stood. I had to fight and stand my ground as he appeared through the wall. And he looked at me and I just instantly said, Joseph. Yeah. And he snicked and growled. There was an awkward silence. There was something that was deep, reverent, that I'll never forget. Ever. Yeah. As his spirit left backed off into the wall, it wasn't so much of me facing him. It was so much of the recognition. Whether he was waiting for me too, I don't know. Because yeah. for that moment on, he wouldn't leave me alone. No. And this is Joseph, who is one of the, the two spirits who feature most prominently in the story. The other one, the little girl that you mentioned, 
her name's Jessica. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's an incredible thought. So what what room are you in at this point in time where this... We were at the back bedroom. You've got to look at the wood okay, chief. Okay, upstairs, you stand yeah. Outside. You stand outside yeah. the wood chief and you just look up and we're at the right. We're at the okay. room with the hole in the wall. Got you. Now, when he left and it just went deadly quiet, all of that emotion left. I spun mm-hmm. around in darkness and Tony turned on the light. And all of a sudden, I was faced against Cam, Dave, and Chris. And this is the most freakiest thing about it all is as well. My heart was racing. I didn't know what to do. I never, I've only met them briefly. Yeah. Not even the evening. Mm-hmm. And there's me telling them everything that's coming in. And then Cam come over to me and, and, and comforted me. And she started crying. And she went, by the way, what's your name? And I says, um, my name's Suzanne. And everybody looked at each other and the tears were rolling down her face. She says, I'm sorry to say this, but we know so much information about this place because we've been dealing with the Ouija board. And it, for the few weeks, for the three weeks that we've been communicating, we got the names Roof, we got the name Buddy, and we also got the name Suzanne's coming for me. Suzanne's coming for me. And that was off camera. Wow. And I've not read that anywhere before. In fact, none of the stuff you've mentioned so far is anything that I've I've really seen an awful lot about. Most of the the story seems to centre around what when you're headed downstairs into the yeah. cellar. I don't doubt a single word you say. I mean, it's, it's terrifying mm-hmm. to think that any of this this would happen and i mean the fact that you returned to that building and i mean i read somewhere that you were in the the wheat chief every night for a couple of weeks following this particular night from the 15th of september all the way up until the march it cost me it cost me my life it cost me my relationship and it also cost me my sanity in a way yeah i had to get anointed 12 times by the by the the um, catholic church I made a sacrifice, but I just need to tell you this briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one night we um, did the book launch on the head to head, and we made it. We I made this big in the book launch and everything else. Everybody came, turned up, and um, I did an audience and stuff. We had all this big promotion and this, that, and the other. My daughter's on stage singing. Okay, we all okay. got there gathering so it was like my two children were involved in it as well okay you know daughters on stage now this is in the ne6 suite which there's a balcony there and then the ground floor so the the balcony was all all sectioned off the next minute my daughter looked like that she pointed up me and alex my son spun Mm -hmm. around and there was a little balloon come from the back of the balcony all the way past 90 people in the stage, all the way down, all the way and landed at my feet. So maybe that's a way of saying thank you. I don't know. It's an interesting thought. And where was that at? That was the NE6 suite at Wall's End. People were astonished, absolutely astonished, because I said to the owner, where's the balloon? Where's that come from? You went, Mm -hmm. it's had a balloon in here. Okay, and that was when was that in relation to all of that was like the boot launch? That was oh god, you're talking what 2015? 
Oh, okay, so a good eleven years later. Yeah, but we were. All right, okay. Song, and she was singing like you know little personals. You know, she had a band. Yeah, yeah. We, had, we all got together and made it a yeah. big event. Say, and um, it was maybe a tear little way of saying yeah. What what Cam and um, Dave um, opened up to me about about using the board, which I don't believe in, strongly no. avowed, um, you know, do not touch it. Yeah. Anyone else, there, leave it alone. Um, that's why it, maybe it fitted in for them to understand what I was trying to bring out at the same time. Because all the information they got, it wasn't just like a few days, it was weeks building up to it, building up, building up. Um, apparently, one experience, um, Chris was behind the bar and all the point- punters were, were just watching the, the racehorse and on the TV and this, yeah. that and the other. And um, this spirit come from behind the, um, the bar, which is like an alleyway between the bar and the, the, the lounge, mm-hmm. come from behind there and started knocking pints over through the people out the pub. They all went out kicking and screaming. Balls of fire ended up, massive, huge um, ball of fire ended up in the fireplace where we were working on downstairs and they blew the whole of the bar. Um, they started connect- connecting to the little girl. Uh, so they started leaving this little dolly, this dolly okay. in like a little case. They left it on the side of the pool table and then the next morning it was found at the top of the stairs. Okay. So all of this is being a build-up mm. to- so they were telling me this of like you know at the end of the night and things like that, and they were they were astonished about what's coming in. But Cam could not get over the connection between what I found and what I found with him. Yeah. Okay, that's the most uncanny thing about it all. Well, we decided that we'll walk away. So that's a Wednesday night, the fifteenth of September, two thousand and four. Well, it was the sixteenth by the time I left the building, and mm-hmm. um, we we decided that we'll come back on on the eighteenth. Okay. Okay, so that give me enough time, enough time to prepare. Yeah. These type of things you don't take lightly. I've never done. This is the biggest job I've ever done. Yeah. But if I would know the knowledge I know now, of walking in there, it would have been a lot easier. Because I I help a lot of people in my job, mm-hmm. of what I do, like over the years. It's massive learning curve anyway. So. I was absolutely terrified. I didn't know what to do. I I found it very difficult to um to sleep. I found it very difficult to um I was weighing up the measures. What am I gonna do? So on the Friday night before, you know, we were meeting up the following day, I decided that I'll have an early night and go to bed. The other half was sitting next to me lying on the bed and he drifted off to sleep. The next minute, I'm lying on this bed. The Venetian, the window is right in front of me, above me. Yeah. And these curtains are all covered. Everything's all, you know, dark. There's the way it should be in a bedroom. The next minute, the Venetian blinds started tapping. The window, I woke up. Then it started tapping again. Yeah. And again, and again. The next moment, the Venetian blinds come out. The whole of the curtains flew out. And all I heard is, help me, help me, help me is an echo, a vibrant sound running through the whole of my bedroom. Even shot Rob up out of bed. 
And I jumped to my knees, I jumped down to the ground, I jumped to my knees and I said, I'll help you, I'll help you, I'll help you. And as it left, the window just stains the curtain and the, the all of the drapes and everything, just like somebody just put pressure to the window and there was a figure of her. And as okay. I turned around in fits of tears, Rob grabbed a hold of me and went, I've seen all of it. That confirmed to me I had to go back. Mm-hmm. I had no other choice. Yeah. I was about to face in that pub. I sacrificed. But what I was about to see face in that pub, it might not be in the pub. She followed me home. And that was just one of the experiences of, it wasn't just walking in the weed chief. It was everywhere. Yeah. We were threatened upon everything. So that morning I went to church straight away. A lot of people say to me, why, why not? If you're in that situation, where would you run? Yeah, makes sense to me. Well, I can honestly say that I had no no other way of finding solace. Hmm. I, I went to a local church and I explained the situation, what I was going through. And would you believe there must have been an angel on my side because um, they handed me a bottle of holy water and says, do what you've got to do. But at the end of the day, so I was terrified. Never forget saying goodbye to my kids. My son was only a baby, like I say, my daughter was only young. Yeah. And let go Rob. And what I was about to walk into was in the matter of matter of time. Went to the pub. They were all waiting for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't disclose anything that went on on the night before about being having the visitation. I was just like tried to take every step at a time. Yeah. And met up with um, a few others that were there as well, and there was a there was a few other people that were that, that wanted to be involved in it, mediums and psychics and things mm-hmm. like that, and that was good for support, more than anything else. So I, so I appreciate that. I appreciate their time, and I was too. I was in like tunnel vision. There could have been there could have been Elvis Presley standing in front of me. I wouldn't have cared. You know what I mean? I was too busy focusing on yeah. what I needed to gauge and what was going on because I was up against all of all the power of... Got you. Of yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, okay. So we decided that to try and make a plan and the plan was made created by one of the medium. One of the plan was at the end of the night, one group to go down into the cellar trying to distract Joseph, which I felt that he was very close to at that time. And the other go upstairs and connect to the little girl. Okay. In the meantime, I decided that we needed a little bit more security and a little bit more protection. So I decided to put gold crosses on every door frame. I don't know if you've seen them when you experienced it or you went there, but I did that. They were on every door frame. Mm-hmm. It looked like a little shrine. Yeah. Um, because again, you know, you're trying, you're trying your best to, to look at the symbol of between the godness and the light because it is a very, very oppressive time. I led the team upstairs and put the tape recorder in in the toilets. And then we decided to gauge the plan where we wanted to go. And then we went down into the cellar. While I was there, 
Okay, there were certain noises that I that I experienced, and this is one of the noises that comes through. Can I be able to play this? Definitely, go for it. It may be sounding a little bit like it's it, it's just got through a washing machine, but this is one of the noises. Mm-hmm. Did you hear the noise that came through? Yep, I definitely did. Yeah. Well, there's enough footage that was taken this night, okay? And like I say to you, there's one experience. When I led the led the team upstairs, there was a girl called Denise. And um, she's a beautiful girl, lovely Cam's best mate. And she was taking all kinds of footage and there was a load of people there. There was like, there was, would you believe we were bombarded with everybody that the whole of old knew about the whole thing and wanted to be involved in it. Okay. Everybody coming in, then we just had to narrow the narrow down there, um, the group mm-hmm. and how many people I could look after as well as deal with everything else that was going on. The way that I wanted to control that night, it's not so much of keeping control because the fear that was running through my veins is if he could show himself through that wall and put the fear of God in me, what else is he capable of me with a group of people? Okay. So we decided that Cam, Dave, and other members of of the group went downstairs into the cellar. As I went upstairs and we put the little dolly in front of us, we had this big ice semicircle Okay. You know, and there was another psychic lady there at the time. And we were all all immensed around the circle, protected by by the angels and, and all of that that was coming through. And as instantly I decided that I wanted to do spiritual writing. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if you're aware of um the gift of spiritual writing and what it what it can do. It's like a psychic artist. Okay. okay. They channel through and they get they give you another communication, a form of literally the connection yes when i was when i was um going through the the um the connection and i was channeling through there you can see right in front of you one of the psychics leaning down there's me in the creature pen and there is the little girl blindfolded holding the pen inscribing what she needed to tell me when we were at the circle and i connected to the little girl she started to play with the dolly. Okay. Okay, that was in the center of the, the center of the circle. Yeah. And connecting with her, she was such an innocent, beautiful child. No age than the age of seven or eight. But what got to me more is she had a really strong link to Elizabeth. And that's the name I kept on coming out with. But that was the lady that was connected to Joseph at the time. That was that was her that was her channel how she got through. Okay. I did connect towards a little bit of an accent with her. And it wasn't a Geordie accent. It was more like it was connected towards either Ireland or it was connected to a different part of the UK. So that's what I did connect with her. When I was when I was channeling through, she was showing me memories of what happened to her. But she also gave me memories that of my own that I couldn't comprehend. So I can't understand how that's been connected in a level, like, am I meant to be here to save her? Whereas all this coming in is fate and destiny and all this, that and the other. I don't know, but I do know that 
if anybody's going to get it out in the will of God, it will be me to try and find a little bit of solace to save this little girl from her yeah. torture that she went through at that yeah. time. But I didn't realize there was other souls in there as well. So we were channeling through, I was connecting through spiritual writing and everybody was, was, was understanding it. There was loads of filming and footage going on at the same time. And the next minute we all jumped because we heard something come on the walkie talkie and it was calm. Okay. What happened was, is I made the circle of salt and put them in like a like a safe zone, safety protection, and she put her she put herself outside the circle of salt. Oh, okay. It's like a attack. They had to pick her up, and pull her up the stairs and bring her back to the lounge. Okay, and she was severely shaken, vomiting. She was very nauseous. She went from a healthy person to absolute. The colour just drained from her. So what happened to her when you said it was a psychic attack? I feel, what I actually do feel, is either it was Patrick or Joseph, one or the other. Physically attacked her? Physically attacked her. Wow. And that was the threat that we were up against. So, again, I was upstairs trying to channel through, holding one group, and there was five or six of them downstairs in the cellar. Within the space of 40 minutes... He had to drag it out. So then I went downstairs and with the with the channel that I've got, and like I say, I tried my best to just put angelic light. We 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 calmed the situation down, and then I thought, no, it's too dangerous to split people up now. This is what we're up against. Yeah. So we all went back upstairs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then I decided what it be will be. If he's there, he's there. There's nothing I can do. The main focus here is the little girl. And let's see what she's got to say. And she felt safe by the by this time because, like I say, a little time had passed and she was starting to warm to my energy and I was starting to warm to hers. So, let it be so. Hours had passed. We were all in the room and she was communicating with the spiritual writing. And the dowser, the power of the dowser. Mm-hmm. Um, she told me of incidents that's happened. I got constant um, vision of Joseph being pushed in an alleyway. Couldn't see his face, but I knew it was him. Yeah. And there was loads of men, and I could hear like scuffling and like you know them the still the the the, the, um, the metal hitting the cobbles. I could hear all of that, and they were they were fighting, and they were they were basically chucking them out. Okay. You get out, don't come back, type of thing. And I could see him as he turned around and snarled at all of them. But he also, there was a connection to a gentleman that was there that he felt intimidated by. And I got a connection to a name, George. George. Straight away. Okay. Right? Straight mm-hmm. away, I got a connection to a name, George. And I felt he was the owner. And then when we look through the census, his name's George Ransom. And he was the owner of the weed chief at the time. Mm-hmm. So, so who, who was Joseph? Was he like a local or what was his connection to the weed chief at that point in time? This is where it gets a little bit missed, a little bit tricky. Yeah. Joseph has been located in four different parts of the weed chief. Okay. okay. Yeah. One of them is in Bolden Hall, right? He mm. was connected to Elizabeth. 
He okay. was married to Philbeck. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. then he was resided. But if you look at the census, you'll see he's um, connected to a John and a James. And his dad was a barman. Then all of a sudden he was a cartwright. And then the next census, he's going back towards a labourer. Them days you didn't change your trade. No. You did not change your trade at all. Then it come up in the Bolden book that he um, dug a dug a little bit of remains in the garden, and maybe that's connected towards him, and they found an, um, an ancient burial ground. But then again, that is connected to the Bolden, and the connection towards the the um, that church is in the Doomsday book. Well, in Bolden, oh, okay. Yeah. So. You had all of this information that we found over the years going through the census because I needed to know. Yeah. I had to know. I'm sorry, but once something like this comes in my way, I've got to find that pocket of information and find out what goes on behind the whole incident. What exactly is this? And where do I get the information from? But that's, a, that's in a different experience. I'll tell you this. I know I'm digressing away from the importance of where the little girl is, but I need to tell you this one. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, we went. We all decided to go to the library, South okay. Shield. Okay, so yeah. we are all running through, you know, you, you know, the columns and commons and commons of news articles and this, that, and the other, and um, books and everything else that goes with it. So, the six or seven of us went to the library come back with all these books and we were, we went back and stopped off at the wheat chief for a cup of coffee grabbed a sandwich mm-hmm. or went back before the wheat chief opened Dave's sitting on the other end of the bar gabbing away like he normally does and um, this is like so the Wednesday it was the following week by the way this is this is one day the next minute there was a tap at the door Dave answered it he come back through the bar and he was like, you're not going to believe what this is. And we all looked and went, what? This woman walked in the bar. Okay. And she introduced herself. Her name was Catherine, Kathleen. And she's from Canada. Okay. Okay. What mm-hmm. happened at this time, she was driving past the wee chief in a taxi and asked the taxi driver to turn around and need to go to that pub. And knocked on the door. Okay. Dave answered it. Yeah. And she was there at the time in 1932 with her parents. Her sister, Jeanette, is still terrified about the man with the bandana looking over her bed every night. We were all just sitting there having a sandwich. She came in and she said that she lived there. Then she started describing the spiral stairs, the hallway, the archway, the doors. This was her bedroom, the toilets, the men's toilets. My sister's still terrified about this ordeal. By the time we got to the end of the corridor and we showed her the room, she went, what are you doing here? And then I had to leave with her and tell her. And she went, I hope you find her. And that was just in one afternoon. And her husband was there and she came back two or three times after that. Cause she never forgot neither of all them years. And she did say there was one incident where her dad was getting the Christmas presents or the Christmas tree and she had to go down in the cellar and she got attacked and she was only a child. So a lot of things happened, like I say, a lot yeah, more. 
than whatever it expected to, you know, occur in a ghost night. It wasn't a ghost night, like I say, it was an absolute horrendous journey. You know? Certainly sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I'm going to put it, talking to you about the whole incident as we're, you know, just chatting away for it, about the whole thing now, there's certain parts to it that will always stay raw. But I, I try my best to just break it down, you know? Yeah. Find out why, you never even ask it, I never even ask that anymore. Why it happened, what, hmm. what did it go through? But there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that experience things in life that are there. Yeah. So anyway, um you wanted to ask how did the eighteenth Saturday the eighteenth of September end? Yeah? Yeah. We all went back upstairs and like I say, we all decided that there was enough was enough. We were getting tired. Yeah. I connected with her one more time mm-hmm. and this time we heard a child's cry that was the point where Cam went into the kitchen to find something I think she'd come back with a spatula to be honest with you Yeah. and she went hell for leather at that wall she started going absolutely ballistic and chipping away at that wall and all I could do was stand there in tears and watch this happen. It's all okay trying to connect to it on a spiritual level, but also trying to understand it on a physical level. That is me stating this medium, you know, I've never been in this situation before. No. And I'm I'm confirming that that girl is in that wall. All of that was like that on my shoulders. Yeah. When you say that girl was in the wall, what what led up to her running at the wall and deciding that she wanted to get beyond the wall and find out what was in there? It was all the the validation that was coming through and the spiritual writing when we went back upstairs and the the cries and the, the child's cry and also the anticipation of let's get this, let's find out because they've been working with the Ouija board for weeks. Yeah before me, before they even come in. So that confirmed a lot for them, but it also confirmed a lot to basically me coming in and just expressing all of this, fitting the pieces together and then yeah. strike. It was calm. I blame Cam for a lot of things, but it was calm. <laughs> yeah. So when when well, you say she was in the wall, is are we saying that she she believed or you guys believed because of what had came through in this spiritual writing that the remains of Jessica, this little girl, were behind that wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is this did you say this was upstairs? Upstairs. Upstairs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Connection with the room. So you've got the two rooms. You've got the kitchen, yeah. you've got the little balcony, yeah. and then you've got the connection to the other room. Yeah. And I read, I read something interesting about the kitchen about, um, and it, I think it was Cam who was involved in that about the fact that there was, the kitchen was locked, but when the kitchen door was opened, one of the like a big industrial freezer, the door yeah. was open, 
and they found the print of a small child's hand in a jelly. Yeah. In- incredible. I mean, the fact that the it's room like was locked ago. and that happened. And did, yeah. do you know if that happened prior to you going to the witch yeah. sheep or if that yeah. was that prior to it? So it all it all fits together. It validates who the, the handprint probably belonged to, yeah. little Jessica. Well, I've got something else, some some um, news occurred, occurred to me recently, two weeks before we're, we're having this interview. Okay. This gentleman come in and he turned, he messaged me on Facebook saying, um, do you know when I've just watched the Reef Chief? He said, my name's David. I was like, yeah. And he says, I'm David Guy's best mate. I was like, oh yeah. He went, um, I walked into that pub 2003 and got hurled down the stairs and ended up in a coma. In a coma? In a coma. And that, he messaged me on Facebook. Gosh. He said, I'll tell you something now, there's something in that pub. He says, that was the year before you turned up. He says, and I'm telling you, I was stone sober. I got to the toilet, got pushed out the door, and we all got pushed as well. He liked to push people. And then he threw him over the balcony and threw him over. He ended up in a coma. He ended up in a coma. Christ. And his name's, oh God, he's on my messenger. Yeah, he sent yeah. Me, like I say, he wanted to know because he was watching the Discovery Channel and he went, Yeah, yeah. That was me. That, that happened to me. Hmm. And he recovered from it. Yeah. Well, just, but he'll never, ever forget it. going to leave it there for this episode and you'll hear the fascinating yet terrifying conclusion next time around as there's far far more of Suzanne's story to tell Thank you so much for joining me once again. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at, at @howhauntedpod, or over on Instagram at howhauntedpod, where you'll see photos galore relating to the Wee Chief, including some of the pictures that Suzanne talked about in her interview. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website at www.how-haunted.com, or you can email me directly at rob at how-haunted.com. Feedback, location, suggestions and your own experiences are all more than welcome. Feel free to ask me any questions you like and I'll answer them all on a dedicated Q&A episode. If you'd like to support the show and get early access to episodes, you can join the Patreon for less than the price of a pint. You'll also get access to exclusive episodes 
where you'll join me on an actual paranormal investigation and hear the audio as it happened. If you aren't a fan of Patreon, or perhaps would prefer to make a one-off donation to the podcast, why not buy me a coffee? All the information on how you can support How Haunted is in the podcast description and over on the website. If you've enjoyed this episode, if enjoys the right word, then please subscribe and review the podcast on your podcast provider of choice. It really does help. I have a copy of my book, Ghosts of Edinburgh, up for grabs. If you'd like to enter, all you need to do is leave How Haunted a podcast review on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use. Then drop me an email at rob at how-haunted.com to let me know. The competition will end on Halloween 2022 and the winner will be announced on Twitter and on the first podcast episode after the closing date. Next time out we'll return to the Wheat Chief for the frightening conclusion of our two-part special and you'll hear the chilling climax of my interview with Suzanne. You'll also find out a little bit about the investigation that I did at the Wheat Chief back in 2015, the only ghost hunt to be allowed there in the last decade. Thank you so much for accompanying me for our paranormal adventures once again. Stay safe, and join me next time, when we will once again ask the question, How Haunted? How Haunted?